Romans, the 12th chapter, the 8th verse. Actually, I'm going to be speaking out of John 3.16, but I'm going to bring out something here very quickly to add to the sermon. Romans chapter 12, the 8th verse. If it is what? Encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing what? Mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Encouragement and mercy. Father, I pray that we would learn to encourage and Lord, learn to show mercy where it is needed. This is a time in the season, as my wife was talking about, that many people will need encouragement. Many people will need to be shown mercy and love and compassion. Lord, let this be a sermon that would be a venue, Lord God, to be able to do just that, to go and do likewise. Lord, open doors for us, Lord God, that we would be able to minister this coming week and to see, Lord God, uh, many, many souls won for your honor and glory. It's not about numbers, it's about souls, Lord God. You're concerned with people. We thank you for how you've been with us this entire year, this entire, actually, millennium, Lord God, and what you've done with Victory Outreach Ministries. We pray, Father, for going into the new millennium, Lord God, and under your unction, under your power, under your protection. Use my lips now for your honor and glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I had a sermon that I was going to be speaking, and I had put the title out there, but I'm going to save it for... For the youth. Amen. And one of these days I'm going to ask my son to ask me to preach. Ask me to preach, please. Uh, then I'm going to be speaking to the youth on that uh, uh, sermon, that subject. But today, and I toyed with this for a while. <clears throat> I've decided to, to speak on something else here. And I've titled the sermon, uh, For Jesus So Loved the World That. Okay. For who so loved the world? Jesus. It's not God. We know that we have the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. All right, that's in John 3.16. But today, I'm entitling my sermon. I'm not changing the Bible. I'm entitling my sermon. For Jesus so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver as well. Okay, and he wants to give something to this planet, to this world. Uh, see, God's greatest gift that he ever gave to this planet was his son. God gave gifts as well. That's why we exchange gifts on Christmas. Well, God gave... Uh, his son. That was a father's gift. But what, my friend, is the greatest gift that God's son, Jesus Christ, can give at Christmas? Today we're going to find out what that gift is. Okay? God gave his gift. Now today we're going to find out what Jesus gives at Christmas to people. A few years ago they had a special Olympics. I believe it was held in Philadelphia, the city of Phileo, brotherly love. And it was a Special Olympics, and they had nine runners running the 100-yard dash, okay? And the Special Olympics is people, you know, that are handicapped, people that are uh, maybe polio-stricken or, or, what you know, they're classified handicapped. And so they had the Special Olympics, and the, they said, runners on your mark, or march, hallelujah. Uh, runners on your march, on your mark, get set, go. And they took off, all nine of them, you know, they were running. And around the 40-yard line, about 40 yards into the 100-yard dash, one of them trips and falls. Okay? And as he tripped and fell, actually, I think it was a girl. As she tripped and fell, and the other ones were running. And one by one, 
What do they call the Special Olympics? One by one, they all stopped and turned around and saw that their friend, who they knew, <clears throat> also a fellow handicapped Olympian, had tripped and fallen. So every one of them, one by one, they all went back to pick her up. <laughs> all of them. See, they weren't thinking about, you know, winning or the glory. They were thinking about, my friend fell. So they went back and they got her. And what it really happened, this, this was this is the actual true story. They all decided when they picked her up, they all locked arms. And they all went to the finish line together. And they all got first place. Uh, I mean, only people, you know, special Olympic handicapped people. Because uh, sometimes we think, well, we have all our faculties and uh, that's one less person that I, I have to race against and now I can win. Oh, Jesus. Uh, see, in all of us, when we come to Christ, in a sense, all of us come to God spiritually handicapped. And all of us, my friends, sooner or later, fall. That happens. I have a saying, the best fall, but the best get up. If I was to say, how many here have fallen before everybody raise their hand? Where do you think I got my, my statue thing? My statue uh, 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 stance. Ah. Because nobody is exempt. All of us are going to encounter times in our lives when we, we're going to need somebody or other people to come back and pick us up and even carry us on to the finish. Every one of us are going to need that. I thank God for the people in my life that have done that. Many times I'm sitting here in church or wherever at and I'm ministering to people and I can tell by the look in their eye that, you know what, they're grateful that somebody is there Thank God for the, I mean, this Christmas, I got a lot of cards. I'm pastor. Thank you for being there. Thank you for this, that. During my birthday, a lot of people send me cards. Thank you for being there. So I understand, you know, what it's like to have somebody helping us out. That's really what the church is here for. To work together as a team and to finish the race together. What has John Wooden said? It takes 10 hands to put the ball in the hoop. We're not a one-man team. Not just one, you know, not just one. Michael Jordan was a great player. Uh, at one time, but he was a gunner. He was by himself. Uh, but now, you know, they, they ended up winning a lot because he learned how to play with the team. That's when they became world champions, the Chicago Bulls. So it takes 10 hands. We're a team here. See, God's greatest gift to the world was his son, Jesus Christ. But now, after both Jesus Christ and after his birth here in Bethlehem, and after Jesus' earthly ministry was completed, now Jesus' greatest gift to humanity is you and I. That's the greatest gift. God gave his gift that was his son. His son for Jesus so loved the world that he gave you and I to a hurting, needy world. Uh, to utilize our shoulders, to utilize our strengths, to utilize our, our spirituality to pick up other people. Romans 12.8, I read that in the opening scripture here. That describes this gift. It's called the gift of exhortation, the gift of mercies. That's what we have. The gift of, of, of helping people. Okay, the word exhortation really means encouragement or encourager. And I've heard it's important to note that seated around you here this, you know, this post-Christmas day are people, you know, that, 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 that need your help. People that are seated around you, you know, that, that, that maybe they're running a spiritual, special Olympics and they need your help. Your help of, of encouragement and mercy to help run and to finish that race together. See, the words encouragement and mercy, they pretty much have the same meaning within the Greek translation. The definition is this, okay, of mercy and also encouragement. The definition is one called or summoned alongside. 
If you're taking notes, that's what encouragement means. One called along or summoned alongside. One that is summoned. One that is called, but it's alongside. See, people or, or individuals that have the gift of mercy or encouragement, they have a way of, of coming alongside of us and, and coming along of people in need. Santa Claus ain't got nothing on encouragers. <clears throat> huh? I mean, Santa Claus comes along <clears throat> once a year. Uh, at least your children think so. But we're here 24-7. See, these people are, are Christ's gift at Christmas to a hurting and a needy world. Santa, Santa Claus might have a lot of elves, but Jesus had a lot of, has a lot of disciples. Uh, look at, and this is a scripture that I want to uh, bank on here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. I'll begin reading in verse 12, but verse 14 is a key verse. Because I'm going to dissect that verse, and we're going we're to uh, 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 exposit it throughout the sermon here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Though 14, and once again, is the key. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Or the word admonish there is, is almost like encouragement, the same thing. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with, with each other. Now here's a verse that I'm really going to cut up throughout the sermon. And we urge you, or encourage you, brothers, warn those who are what? Idle. Encourage the who? Timid. Help the... Be patient with who? Everybody. We're going to be dealing with the word idle. We're going to be dealing with the word timid. And we're going to be dealing with the word weak. Be patient with everybody. See, the words here admonish or encourage. Okay? What they, in the Greek word again, is, is to be called or to be summoned alongside. It says there in the King James Version, I believe, it says, urge the unruly. Okay, doesn't that say that in the King James? Urge the unruly. Okay? Encourage the timid. Or warn unruly. Those that are idle. Those that are lazy. Paul is telling the Thessalonican church. That is what we, my friend, the church of Jesus Christ, we, the ones that, that God is, has sent as his gift, that Jesus has sent to be a gift to this world, we're supposed to urge, we're supposed to warn, we're supposed to exhort, and we're supposed to help. See, church, the reason I have chosen this on this Christmas message is because Christmas is a time when we're supposed to be as unselfish as possible. That's what, the, you know, this Christmas season, we're supposed to be unselfish during, during this holiday season. Christmas is the time when the most unselfish act in history occurred, when it's recorded. When God gave His Son, that's the most unselfish act ever recorded on the annals of history. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And I believe it's so vital that, and of a one importance that Christians follow suit. And that we try ever so hard to go and do likewise. If God's greatest gift was Jesus, and Jesus gave himself a ransom for many, then you and I as well, we should go and do likewise. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself. See, Christmas is a time when Christ's church should stand tallest and yet stoop the lowest. Let me say that again. Christmas is the time when his people should stand tallest and yet stoop the lowest. It's the time that we have an opportunity to do that, to show our, our concern. Christmas is a time when we should be going alongside as many people as possible. 
When we don't, my friend, you know, worry only of ourselves finishing the race, but we lock arms to help other people run the race as well. We have that opportunity. And here in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we see, my friend, the ministry of encouragement and mercies in full bloom. Paul urges us to, to warn and admonish the idle, okay, the unruly. And today we're going to be very quickly looking at three groups of people who need the ministry of encouragement. Number one, we're going to look at three groups of people that need the ministry of encouragement. Number one, the first group of people Paul calls the unruly. Okay? And I want to call these unruly, <clears throat> idle people, I want to call them the won't-dos. I'm going to give them all names. The won't-dos. Okay? These people, the won't-dos, what they know they're supposed to do, they don't do. Uh, Paul calls them, these won't-do people, unruly, idle, and lazy. This group of people existed in the church there in Thessalonica. They, and, they, and they decided, my friend, they didn't want to work anymore because Jesus was coming and coming soon. They said, well, man, if Jesus is going to be coming, then I don't have to work. Uh, so we won't do nothing. They're the won't-dos. Uh, now, in the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, he addresses them. And I'm reading this chapter 10, the, the chapter 3, verse 10. He says, and he tells the won't-dos, he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. You ever read that in the, in the Bible? Well, it's in Thess 2 Thessalonians 3.10, I believe it is. And he tells them, listen, you won't-dos. Uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, but see, these people had a distorted translation of the gospel because of their misinterpretation of the coming of Christ. They thought he was going to come at any time. So if you're going to come right now, soon, then I don't have to work. Uh, I'm not going to do nothing. And they evolved into the won't do's. And people with the gift of encouragement are supposed to come alongside, come alongside these won't do's and admonish or warn these people, okay, don't be acting like that. Don't be a won't do nothing kind of a Christian. Now, one of the definitions of the word warn is to speak words with a bite. Okay? To speak words with a bite. That is communication with a cutting edge. A word spoken in season where we warn people of the consequences of their behavior in love. Speaking the truth in love. See, when our parents, or excuse me, when we as parents and we have children, and they get out of line, we can pretty much spank them, and they'll get in line. That's the way my kids were. They'd see the belt coming. Oh, okay, Dad. Uh, all I would have to do is this. They'd get in line. Uh, point. Okay, okay. Uh, but once they grow up, they pretty much have a mind of their own. Uh, you go like that to them and say, yeah, you're getting fatter now, Dad. Uh, unruly. Uh, idle, hallelujah. So what you got to do is you got to, you know, if you got to come in there and deal with them with words now. You got to be able to talk some sense to these people, hallelujah. Huh? These won't do's. We are to use words to paint a picture to the won't-dos. To try and get them to change. To change from a won't-do to a I will-do. So that the won't-do, won't-do, do-do. Who wrote that? Hallelujah. Uh, so that the won't-do, won't-do, do-do. I mean, I mean, 
My children know, especially my older son. He knows. We try and warn him. We can't eat him now. Ah, mijo, son, it's not good. Yeah, dad, but you went through it. Uh, so they got to go out and do doo-doo on their own. No toilet paper for you, son. Hallelujah. Huh? You're going to have to clean up your own mess. And we try to warn them. That's what Paul says. Warn them. Urge them with words. Paint a picture for them. This is what's going to happen to you. Listen, when you're a rebel, my goodness, if you don't listen to your parents, if you don't listen to the principal, and if you don't listen to the preacher, then you're going to have to listen to the police. That's usually what happens. The four Ps. Ah. Because, and we're trying to tell people, listen, man, the rebellion is no good. It's just a sin of witchcraft. Ah, I'm all right. I'm going to be okay. You can't go 90 miles an hour in a 25-mile zone. It all catches up to you. Ah. See, we're going, we're going to encounter a number of won't-dos in our life. Ah. That's going to happen. And it's up to us to speak the truth in love and hope and pray that they decide to want to change. The don't, won't-dos will become will-dos, and they'll change, okay? When won't-dos become want-tos. Remember the prophet Nathan? He had come to David. See, Nathan was a person with a gift of encouragement and mercy, as I, I read there in <clears throat> Romans 12, 8. David had played subtly and sadly into the devil's hands. David had become a, a, a won't-do. He didn't want to do things no more because he had sinned, and he sinned grievously against God. David had fallen down, on the spiritual Special Olympics track through the sin of murder and adultery. David had decided not to run the race of Christianity any longer. But Nathan stopped dead in his tracks and went back after David. Nathan went and he painted a picture with words to David in order to try and get him to change. See, that's what preachers do. That's what ministers do. That's what pastors and, 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 and leaders do. We urge the people. We try and paint pictures for them. Uh, that they'll get right or get left. Hallelujah. Nathan went and simply told a story to David. That's what he did. He told a story about a sheep. One a man that had one sheep. Another guy that had all kinds of sheep. And the guy that had all kinds of sheep took that one sheep from that one guy. And, you know, and, and David was, wow. What? And then finally Nathan told him, well, what would you do to that one guy that, that you know, he, he took, he had all kinds of sheep and took that one sheep from that one man. Poor guy. What would you do to him? I'd stone him. I'd have him killed. And what does Nathan say? Thou art that man. Wow. See, he painted word pictures for him to get right. Urging, admonishing. Is there a won't do living and lingering within you? Is there someone you need to, to forgive or get right with and you simply won't do what is right? You're a, a won't do right now within, inside of you? Is there a, a ministry that you believe you've been called to do but up to now you simply won't do? Uh, is there a temptation in your life that, you know, you won't cut loose? You simply won't do it? It's, it's not the better end of you? Uh, well, change it to a, a can-do here today. See, this morning, to those with the hardening of the arteries, hallelujah, that simply won't do what you know that you should do. I urge you, and I admonish you, I plead with you, don't harden your heart. Let Christ speak to you here this morning and, and change let God minister in your life. James 5 says, Brothers, if any among you stray from the truth and one turns them back, he has saved that person's soul and covered a multitude of sins. It's not easy dealing with, 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 with won't-dos because won't-dos can be very, very stubborn. 
I mean, there's hard, the hardening of the arteries over here. Can't deal with them. Ah, these have a look in their eye of, of anger and bitterness. Somebody hurt me, and that's the way it is. I'm going to get back. He hurt me. He didn't say that. That's the way it is. Ah, and they have their heart way out here. It's difficult dealing with people like that. Nevertheless, the Bible says somebody, uh, for their own good, has to confront them. Otherwise, my friend, they're headed to hell and destruction. Youth and children belong to this group big time. Uh, I mean, it's hard for the youth. Ah, it's okay. You, you went through that, Dad. Ah, you know, I'll be all right. I can use drugs, just use drugs on weekends. You ever said that, George? No, you couldn't do that. Huh? Hallelujah. Uh, that was a hardening of the arteries. Hallelujah. A softening of the arteries. Ay, ay, ay. At least he was telling the truth. Uh, that's why he's here today. Uh, but many of us were over here, hard and hard, man. Especially young people. Me, son, you shouldn't be, you know, be, be careful what you watch at the movies. Hallelujah. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you, you know, be careful. Ah, I can handle it. Pretty soon you're going to be handling it. Let's go on. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> but that, that, that's what will happen. Oh, I can handle it. Yes, you can. Oh, baby, baby. Uh, don't get hardened of the arteries. Hallelujah. The next group, the second group that second, First Thessalonians 5.14 speaks of are the feeble-minded. Okay? And we urge you, but there's one of those that are idle, encourage the timid. The King James says the feeble-minded. These I would call the want-tos. The feeble-minded, the want-tos. See, they want to change. Yet, my friend, they're unable to stay in the race because they're feeble. They're fearful. They're faint-hearted. While the want-tos have a look of anger within their eyes. And usually, my friend, they, you know, they won't look you in the eye. The want-tos, will, they will look you in the eye. They have a look of anticipation. They have a look of hope. In other words, I, I want to, but I just can't. I want to. I want to change. I, I, I want your help, but I, I just can't make it. See, they have fallen in the race, and they're afraid they may fall again. Uh, they're feeble-minded. Still, they want to get up, and they want to get on. They want to. These are not the won't-dos. These are the want-tos, but they're feeble-minded. In the Thessalonican church, a few disciples, my friend, were, were dying for the cause of Christ. Uh, and they were suffering. They were going through some hard times during the, the early church days. And disciples were being killed and slaughtered. So naturally, okay, the ones that weren't quite able to muster up enough faith were faltering. They, they, you know, they saw these other ones that were, were, were all out gung-ho for God. And a lot of them were getting killed. So they couldn't, they couldn't do that. It was hard. In comparison to, to the gung-ho Christians, these were a bit more fearful. These want-tos, okay, they had a timid heart. These need a bit of encouragement as well. They, they need that. They want to. Now, I talked to my father yesterday, and, you know, and this is an area where I, I need help, my want-tos. I mean, I want to get closer to my father, but it's difficult because of the, way, the upbringing that we had. Uh, and can... I've had my father not talk to me, and he started crying and said, wow. See, my dad is stronger than me in that area right now. I didn't think so before, but yet, now I see. He's getting up there in age, and he's saying, well, Steve, you know, and I, I love you. My mother's been saying, I love you, mijo. 
I'm saying, man, I wish you could have told me that when I was a teenager. Ah, but now as we're getting up there, I want to, I want to tell them back, I love you too, mom. And I, and I do, but, but I wish I could take the initiative. I want to say, I love you. I, you know what? I know. But sometimes it's hard because of the way we've been brought up. I, I'm, I'm feeble in that area. I need help when it comes to with my parents. That's why I've had them come up here many times and had my dad preach and different things. Because I want to. But it's not that easy. Uh, because of our past. See, a lot of us were like that. We want to do things, but we need help. In. What are some of the things that, that you want to get involved in? What are some of the things that you want to do that you need help in? Witnessing? A lot of people want to witness, but it's, it's so hard. Getting involved in something, getting in ministry, because we need your help. Maybe you want to, but you're having a struggle in that area. See, our job this Christmas is to use our gifts of encouragement and help these type of people. We are to be Christ's gift to a needy world. We're, we're, we're the gift that, that, that Christ brings. We're supposed to go help the want-tos. You know, find out who they are and go help them. Then the last group are the weak. That's what it says there. The weak. The idle, encourage the timid, help the, the weak. We have that group as well. We're going to encounter that group. These I call the can't-dos. See, the can't-dos are the broken-hearted. This group... Just flat out and straight up, they can't do. They can't do anything about their condition. They're hooked. Uh, they're, they're, they're stuck. They're addicted. There's a lot of people out there like this, this condition. They just can't do nothing about their condition. I've tried and tried and tried, but I just can't stop doing this, that, and the other. These people need our help. The Thessalonican church <clears throat> had this kind of people. They were inside. That's why Paul refers to them and addresses them. Uh, sexual immorality was prevalent in those days when you study what was happening there in Thessalonica. Some of them were, were all messed up <clears throat> in their mind when it came to, I mean, and if, they were, if there was a lot of sexual impurity and immorality back in those days, can, I can imagine now. Uh, all the pornography in, in, all around here. Uh, the the te television. Uh, man, all those channels that they have nowadays. Turn down the sound. Ah, uh, nobody's laughing. All right. That means I'm going to hit a vein here. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can imagine all these things that happen. But I, I want to, but I'm stuck. I, I can't. Yes, you can. And we need to understand that. See, Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica, go help these kind of people. Go help them. Urge them. Plead with them. Admonish them. Remember the Good Samaritan? It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Paul says he went... And he did for that man that was laying by the roadside what the man could not do for himself. That's what the Good Samaritan did. He went and he helped that man laying by the roadside what that man could not do for himself. Thank God for the ministry like Victor Outreach that helped me. There's no way that I could have helped myself. No way. Thank God that they said, man, so many times I've heard these words, go to the home. Man. Well, I don't know. And they toy with them. They mess with the, the thought, but it just stays there. Go to the home. Go to the home. Did that help you, George? Go to the home. Go to the home. Between me and Georgia today, hallelujah. Uh, and once you go into the home, I mean, it's hard to go into the home in the beginning. Trust me. I mean, you, I mean those of you that you know what it's like. No, man, it's this, that. We give all kinds of excuses. And all you need is one. The devil will give you all kinds. Big old file. Uh, but then when you finally get there and give God half a chance, boom. Thank God. It's because there we do things for people that they couldn't do for themselves. 
Uh, the man that sent me to the home told me this. He says, listen, sometimes we need people to grab us by the hand and help us. And I thank God for that illustration because it was right. I needed somebody like that. Uh, I mean, I've told you before the, the reason that I was attracted to my wife. Uh, the main reason was because I knew she was going to serve God the rest of her life. I could spot that in her. And that's what I wanted. I needed a home director all my life. And I got one. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'm still doing the dishes today. Hallelujah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, my wife is a home director, and she knows that. Huh? I mean, how about this? How about that? One of these days, I'm going to graduate. <clears throat> they don't promote no more. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, but man, but that's what I like. I, I want to go to heaven. Uh, I, I couldn't help myself. I've said many times before, standing behind this pulpit, the weakest person in, in, in this church is right here. I know my frailties, my weaknesses. But thank God for the Good Samaritan kind of people, the encouragers that are there to help. That, that's why I love helping people, because somebody helped me. <clears throat> it would have been an injustice if I wouldn't go on and help other people as well. Ah, see, this person who had fallen on the track, he just flat out couldn't get up. He couldn't get up on his own, period. He needed help. He needed a lot of time and attention. That's what Victory Inreach is all about. Not just outreach, Victory Inreach. See, there's a number of people here this morning and out there as well, who need us to go help and encourage them. Uh, they are the reason Jesus came. They are the reason God sent his son, his gift of Christmas. And we are the reason Jesus is sending us. And then the last part is how it's done. In verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak. And here's how it's done. Be patient with everyone. In other words, take your time. Uh, if we want to righteously represent Jesus this Christmas, we need to take our time with people. And what, do you know what that means? <clears throat> Don't give up. Don't give up. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. I have a saying, as long as you're breathing, there's hope. As long as somebody's breathing, God can touch them. I don't care who they are, where they are, what they're doing, who they think they are. God can touch them. Don't give up. Be patient. But you don't know my son. Well, I know God's son. Uh, I know what he can do. That's why I have that saying, as long as you're breathing, there's hope. Be patient with these people. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, and neither will any, any individual. Take your time with them. In love, patient, long-suffering. Be truthful. Don't lie and don't pretty things up. No sugarcoating. Speak the truth in love. Be, be patient and be truthful. And then also, I'm, I'm going to end with this. Be careful. Be careful that you don't fall and be pulled down with them. The good Samaritan didn't become a Siamese twin. Uh, he only came alongside and helped. That's what the Bible says, come alongside. That's what encourages He comes alongside. But don't go inside. Don't become a Siamese twin with them. Uh, it, oh, man. No, no, because they can pull you down. Don't let them pull you down. You're supposed to pull them up. Come alongside them, but help them. I've seen so many people want to go, oh, I'm going to save the world. And pretty soon they're out there in the world, doing the things of the world. You've got to be very, very careful. Be patient, but be careful that we don't get blemished and stained along with them. Ah. John 20, 21, then I'm done. John 20, 21. For Jesus so loved the world that he gave... 
John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God the Father sent his Son as a gift. That was his gift of Christmas. And Jesus in return is saying, Hey, as God the Father sent me as a gift for Christmas, I am sending you as a gift this Christmas. We're the gift. Hey, 98.6. It's you. You're the what? Uh, well, I guess with this holiday season, sometimes it's 99 point something, huh? Everybody's got a cold. <laughs> uh, but for Jesus, so love the world that he gave himself. He gave, he, he disciples you, he trains you, he prepares you that you can go out and be a gift this Christmas to others as well. That's what it's all about. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God, moving in ministry. See, on the outside, we all look pretty strong. Strong Olympic runners. But that's not true. We're all parts of the spiritual Special Olympics. So this Christmas, you're the gift. All he wants is you. No one else will do. Not just the part. He wants all of your heart. All he wants is all of you. And I would dare say, man, if I start thinking about this song, it always breaks me. It touches me. I tried to sing it real good earlier, try to keep in tune or whatever. But man, when I begin to think about this song, there's a few songs that really touch my life. This is one of them. When I think about what God wants and He desires for us and that He wants me, He wants you. Not just a part, He wants all of your heart. All He wants is all of you. Hallelujah. Something more than gold. Something more than gifts for a king. There is only one gift that you alone can bring. There is only one gift that will do. All He wants is you this Christmas to send you to be an encourager, to come alongside and help the can't-dos, the won't-dos, and the want-tos. Those that are stuck, you're God's gift to humanity. As every head is about an miracle, Spirit of God moving in ministry, I want to pray first and foremost for those of you that maybe you find yourself in one of these three categories. Well, one of my jobs is to stay as close to God and and unspotted from the world as possible, then I could be able to help you and encourage you and pray for you. And I try and do my best every service to be here. There's times when I need to make the altar call myself, and I do. But there's other times when the Spirit of God says, no, Steve, you, you, you have to be there. you got to pray for them. That's why i got to come here prayed up. i got to be ready. I need forgiveness of sins. I need to get right with God. But I need to do that ahead of time and just come and be here for you. I want to pray this Christmas as your gift of prayer. And if either one of you is following yourself in either of these three categories, the can't-dos, the won't-dos, or the want-tos, you want to. Well, I want to help you here this, this Christmas morning. I want to say a prayer for you. If that's you here, you want me to pray for you. I'm going to ask you very quickly to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Hallelujah. You need the gift of encouragement here this morning. That's what we're here for. You need the gift of encouragement here this post-Christmas morning. December the 26th, 1999. You want us to pray for you from all over this place. Many are standing, but I believe there's others of you. I'm going to ask you very quickly to stand to your feet right there where you're at. I want to say a prayer for you. 
going to sing it through one time. And as we begin to sing it, I'm going to ask those of you that are standing to come and stand here at this altar. Let me pray for you. Those of you that need a gift of encouragement, as we sing that song, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat. Come and stand at this altar. Come and stand. I want to go and say a prayer for, for you as you stand here at the, at the altar. Quickly come. Not just the heart, he wants all of your hearts. All he wants is all of you. All he wants is you. I'm going to ask my wife to come and say a prayer. I'm going to go lay hands on those of you that are here. We work together as a team. I want her to petition God in prayer for you and I want to go lay hands on you as my gift this Christmas to you silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give unto you give for God so loved the world that he gave for Jesus so loved the world that he gives as well the rest of you I'm going to ask you to stand your feet and stretch your hands for this way we're a body ministry we covered your prayers we need your help Lord I pray for everyone here at the altar First, Lord, I pray for the won't-dos. Lord, I pray for those, oh God, who are struggling. For those, Lord, who are finding that temptation is overwhelming in their life and they need help. Those who are idle, oh God, those who, who have not yet found their place. I pray for those this morning, oh God, as they surrender themselves to you. That this next coming year will not be a year of a won't-do but it will become a year of a will do. Lord, I pray, oh God, for those who really, really want to, but they just don't know how. I pray, Lord, that you would open up the avenues and show them, give them direction. Give them, oh God, an enlightened path. Your word says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray for all those want-tos, yes, oh God, who are sincere, who really, really want to serve you with all of their heart. Oh God, I pray that this would be the beginning of a whole new relationship with you, oh God. And Lord, I pray for those who can't do, Lord. Oh God, those who are struggling, who just feel like they can't, they can't be overcomers, they can't get out of things by themselves. Lord, I pray that through the supernatural, Lord, that you would provide a way of escape. Lord, for all of those who feel like they can't, I pray that you change it into cans. Lord, that they can overcome, that they can allow your victorious spirit to rule in their life. Those who feel like they can't because of fear. Those who feel like they can't because of obstacles in their way are going to find paths that are going to be cleared. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, for every person who came up today, Lord, the won'ts, the can'ts, and the want-tos. Oh, God, change, change our hearts, Lord, and allow yes, us to yes, see everything you want us to not just see but to be. Change us, oh God, so that you can change our circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.